Hi, I'm Rob Holman, international speaker, best-selling author, and inside-out leadership catalyst. I'm on a personal mission to interview 12 of the greatest inside-out leaders in the world in 2021. These extraordinary leaders come from business, sports, politics, and entertainment who have faithfully demonstrated inspiration, humility, courage, perseverance, and servant leadership. Get ready and enjoy our next amazing episode of Inside Out Leadership. Cy Wakeman, welcome to Inside Out Leadership. What's going on? Not much. I'm so glad to be here. What an intro. I didn't realize I was in a top 12. That's awesome. What a great mission. It's an <laughs> awesome mission. Don't you love it? Hey, I got to ask you, I didn't put it in your bio, but I'll mention it now. Kind of a fun fact for Cy that some people that don't know you and perhaps some that already do know you and have been blown away by your thought-provoking work for years is you're a mom of four boys, if I have it right. A bit of a fun yep. fact. So I've got to ask you this, because I've never asked you this before, Simon. We've known each other for a few years now. And I consider you a friend. I really do. And you've been such an inspiration in my life personally. And you talk about the inside out leadership movement. You just keep putting fuel on the fire. So for that, I applaud you and say thanks. Uh, but I got to ask you, in the times that we live in, especially, right, these COVID times and everything, What's it like being a mom of four boys? Gosh, best adventure ever. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's like I gave birth to like four of my biggest fans. They're kind, loving, peaceful, fiercely loyal to their mama. Um, so, you know, to always have that inside track on people that, you know, are on your side, they're your humans, has been amazing. And now that they're over 21, like I have these playmates, we go on great adventures. We summited Kilimanjaro right before COVID. We've got a trip planned to Machu Picchu. Um, but during COVID, my boys are pretty um, amazing. We formed a pod very quickly. My team did too. Um, CDC is one of our clients. We listened closely. And uh, it, it's been a time where they've been my nucleus. So, it's so been what would they say, let, let's say I rally these boys together and I said, hey boys, what would you say about your mama? Like, what, what's a characteristic? What's an attribute? What would they agree on about mom? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure there would be agreement. I think that they would tell you that I'm very big-hearted and very kind and not controlling and supportive and maybe have erred in not being enough of a controlling force in their life. Um, they would tell you it's been a wild ride. They have work together and they've been so fiercely independent. My oldest has almost helped raise these brothers because I was in a career where I traveled and I was a single mom and, um, you know, just really needed to band together and, and get through it. So I think they would tell you, I know they'd tell you they're proud of me yeah. and that I'm there for them. Um, a lot of people don't know it, but I'm kind of a homebody. I love cooking. I love sewing. I love decorating houses. Um, I love nature, outdoor time. So I'm not sure what else they would say. I, yeah. I don't want to be at my um, funeral because I'm sure they will have amazing yeah. stories. Well, no, that's the reason you're getting a taste. You know me well enough, but you're getting a taste of inside out leadership, especially this podcast, because we could talk all day long about your accolades and you have many, many of them. 
the books that you've written, the New York Times bestsellers, the the uh, just the reality-based leadership that you founded, the company, the organization, the content behind it, which is just so impactful for leaders all over the world. But what we love doing is kind of looking under the hood of your car, so to speak. Yeah. So people get to know Psy maybe in a slightly different way. So as they now come across and experience your work, it makes a whole lot more sense. At the I end. love it. And, and I think they would say, I really live by the principles. You know, my new book that's coming out in the spring is called Life's Messy, Live Happy. And we've been through some very hard things in our lives, the boys and I. And yet we've been able to um, not maintain a fake happiness, but maintain a way to walk through the world that just you love what is. And I think they would say that they were never afraid to call me because they were really greeted with um, no judging, just helping. Like we're human beings, we all this human condition, we make choices, we do the best we can with what we have. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but let's contemplate that, let's learn from it. And, and um, but when the chips are down, we're there. We're, right. we're there for each other. Love it. Hashtag proud mom for sure. Yeah, you know, we're, I'm we're, proud we're, mom. We're proud. You're proud mom too, which I can't, I mean, wow. So here's, here's where I want to go. Okay. So you even mentioned life has been far from perfect within your family. You got the four yes. boys. You all have experienced so much in your time together for years now. Yes. I know for my family growing up, for those of you that don't know a little bit about what I'm about to share with you, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this size or at least to your life. My life has been far from drama. I mean, growing up, older brother, younger sister, I'm the middle child. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a sensitive kid. You know, I still am a sensitive person. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. It had an effect on me. So our family, um, namely the family growing up, my brother, sister, mom, and dad, we don't know a whole lot of life outside of drama. It, but, you know, now I've learned things over the years, how to cope. I've gone to a therapist, all these different things. Your life has been far from drama too. Have there been any like milestone moments along the way? Like, oh my goodness, yeah, we experienced this together as a family and this was really unique. It was tough. And take us into that. You could, a little bit more general, if you wanna get specific to help our audience, that's okay too. But I know no person listening, no leaders without challenge, trial, tribulation. It's acknowledging some things about it and then navigating through it in a healthy manner that really matters a whole lot. So for you, what's that look like? Yeah, and I would say for leaders to evolve, the piece that we keep out of leadership development is personal development. And it's been frustrating to me because somewhere way back when we separated out, oh, that's personal, that's like therapy, you know, and don't bring it into the workplace. But there is no way you can develop as a leader, but you cannot evolve as a leader until you really go back to points of origin. When did you first feel this way? When did this first happen to you? What was your first family like? And really start to not just self-reflect in the day to change your behavior, but contemplate what's a theme like for me. So I was six of seven kids and um, my parents were both entrepreneurs. So we had kind of binge and bust, um, grew up in a very small town. And by the time I got to the family, it was pretty chaotic. There were a lot of needs. I don't think my um, parents were coping well. My 13 and 14 year old sister were kind of charged with being the babysitters, a job they did not want. They were not looking for any kids. And, um, and they were unkind many, many times. They were just so angry about, you know, um, 
being charged with these responsibilities. And I learned very quickly, my kind of key themes, I learned that um, don't bring any new needs to the table. Like it's best not to have any needs. Don't add one more piece of stress to this family. And where that got me to succeed is I just really denied my own needs. I became a real peacekeeper, a people pleaser. Um, but I also had a level of wisdom where I remember being about four years old going, these people are near the edge. Right. And all of the suffering is completely optional. This None of this is happening. It's just their story about what's happening. I mean, I didn't have those exact words, but I just remember like, this is not real. And no one needs to be like this upset. We could all just be like happy. We could all just be nice. And my parents divorced in um, my high school years. And, um, you know, and I finally found a way, you know, that's what we do. People regret some of the decisions that they make growing up, but usually our souls will find a way to take care of ourselves and to, you know, to get out of situations, we'll self-sabotage or we'll, you know, run or we'll, you know, fight. But um, I found a way for good girls to kind of run away from home because I was really conflicted. I didn't want to cause anyone any problems, but I wanted the heck out of there. And sure. so I became a foreign exchange student. I remember seeing the poster for Youth for Understanding and they're like, do you want to go away for a year? I'm like, <laughs> heck yeah. I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> I don't care where. So I went to Germany for a year, but um, yeah, there's just, there's lots of key points in, in my life. And I write about a lot of that in the book and, and how, um, we continue to end up in situations with similar teachers until we learn how to really integrate. And I am finding, especially during times of COVID, the number one thing I'm preaching about is leaders are not helping people integrate and make sense of their experiences. Mm -hmm. We are going through so much. We go through so much in life, unless you do therapy, which you know, I started out as a counselor, people don't integrate or make sense of their experiences. They live through it and hope it never happens again. And it will. Yeah. And they outsource their emotional well-being to the external world. Right. I'll have a good day if X, Y, and Z, you know, happens or doesn't happen. And, you know, I think the pandemic really showed a lot of us, like, what is your relationship with uncertainty? What is your relationship with solitude? What have your habits and dedications been and has that lifestyle been supportive to um, move skillfully through tough things? You know, can you do hard things? And I think so much has been revealed to us, the state of, you know, racism, not just in our nation, but worldwide. Like so much has been revealed to us that people are confusing being exhausted or traumatized with the opportunity to be evolved. And so what I'm asking people, I'm like, don't, you know, emerge from this, evolve, not traumatized, do your work, let this thing change you. Yeah. And so many people want to return back to normal or they wish for a different future, but there's this small space between an unpreferred reality and a different future. And it's a tiny space and that's where we occupy. And those, our choices connect what is to what will be. And most people aren't stepping into that. Yeah, so, okay. So this is a real life situation. Yesterday, I found myself at a memorial service, oh. uh, a close friend, someone I've been mentoring for years, and his mom died of COVID. And literally, it's like a switch went on. She was rushed to the emergency room a few weeks ago. 
And she just thought she had a cold. It began to materialize. And before he knew it, she was hooked up to ventilator, et cetera. I mean, just horrific set of circumstances. The reason why I bring that up is yesterday I'm at this memorial service and the family, close friends, everyone's gathered part of the grieving process. Okay. What have you found? But yet the, the pastor, the leader, the facilitator of our time was encouraging us, you know, celebrate the life. We're here to sell, we're here to grieve, but we're here to celebrate, honor her, honor her by sharing of stories, by telling certain things, coming in at different angles that were, will honor her, help us in the grieving process. Would you speak for a moment? Like that memorial service, I think is reflective of so many different teams in this COVID kind of a time where so many people and team members are grieving and may not even fully realize it. A lot's coming out. A lot of drama can even come out in that grieving process. But at the same time, we're told we should celebrate. Celebrate, find maybe a higher perspective on the situation. And there lies for so many team members, so many leaders, attention of trying to come to terms with certain things in the grieving process, but yet looking for the good and celebrating the present moment. Can you take us into how do we navigate through that tension in the here and now? Sure. One of the things I find humans really unskilled at is grieving. And they, they, there's a lot of ways that then the inability to really just embrace and grieve and feel creates drama. So the ego wants you to stay externally connected. The ego really wants you to connect to your title and your identity. And um, if you're feeling anxious, and instead of going inside your body to feel it, which is embodying using breath, to dissipate feelings, to just feel them and they dissipate. The ego wants to keep you out of body. And so in, in ego, people that are toggled down often will take something like anxiety, they'll wake up in the morning, they'll go, I'm feeling a little anxious. And they intellectualize it immediately into a grievance. And so, so much of what people are doing right now is intellectualizing what they're feeling into venting, into grievances focused at another and what happens in those feelings is that we get very polarized and people believe I'm either grieving or celebrating, like they're, it's, it's part of duality. And part of maturing, part of evolving as a human being is um, getting a grasp on impermanence, welcoming what comes and letting go what leaves, like not trying to control, but also transcending polarity or duality and really understanding that many things can be true at once. So. What I try and do, like even just on a meeting, is I ask people, list two things that you're feeling, two ways that you're feeling. And I do this because they'll say like devastated and grateful. Right. And I want to help people understand that a great leader can hold space for all of it. And it doesn't need to be like, I'm uncomfortable with your um, sadness, so let's celebrate. It's not with motive. It's not to force us someplace. It's to take a moment to love what is. And so I can be heartbroken and so grateful and have such fond memories and be in total despair all at once. And the, 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 the really great word in there is like, and but what most people do when they're starting to grieve is they try and impact or fix and it's like those chinese um toys that we had when we were little kids they were like um woven and you put your fingers oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you're exactly what you're talking about. Right. So what most people do, because we're so into leading and impacting and, you know, is even if your relationship's falling apart, instead of feeling that sadness, we start to overfunction and fix it. And we just pull. And what I tell people often is stop everything and just grieve. They're like, I don't know why. And I've tried and it won't happen. And I had this kind David White, one of my favorite poets, said, what we need to do right now is any conversation that's exhausting, just end it and begin a new conversation. And I think right now we're in so many exhausting conversations where I'm willing to end. Mm -hmm. And beginning the new conversation is about hope. And it is about how can we take things um, further. So I'm working with a lot of people on grief. Right now we're in what Pauline Boss calls ambiguous grief, Hmm. which was first discovered, she first did the research um, with the Department of Defense. It was first discovered, or she came up with the term, when somebody's like missing in action. So they're gone physically, but we have no closure. Or if somebody has dementia, you know, they're here physically, but they're, sure. you know, gone. And how do we deal with ambiguous grief, which is grief that doesn't have an ending or grief that doesn't have like an obvious, so like a death we mark with a funeral, but most divorces, mm-hmm. you know, people don't mark with anything. Sure. And, and so the key to ambiguous grief is for the leader not to assume anything. Mm-hmm. And so somebody says, you know, I was recently divorced. You don't automatically go, good for you. He was a really nasty person. Yeah. You ask, what meaning does that have for you? Ah, so what good. What are you making of that? So that the job is to let them self-reflect, which you all know is the ultimate drama diffuser, self-reflect, go inside and get practiced at naming things. And I'll just say one last thing and I'll get yeah, back. Yeah, no, this is so good. Yeah. So many people to avoid grief name things too soon. They judge. They go, oh, they're trying to pull one over. Or they're, you know, um, they died of COVID. Well, they probably were anti-vax. You know, we want to name things too soon. Our ego does to keep us from feeling and so I want people to say curious and not name things, yeah. ask people. But I do want people to name things. And it's this, go sit with your grief until it tells you its name. Sit with your anger until it tells you its name. Yeah. When's the first time you felt like this? Go way back to the point that you felt this for the first time mm-hmm. and see what happened to that little kid and watch it from the eyes of an adult and make some commitments. Because what we're often doing is we abandon ourselves to not be abandoned. Mm-hmm. And then we blame the world for not giving us what we need. Mm. It's our job now as an adult to give us what we need. But this is so good. So I got a follow up to that now. So everyone, I've, we've oftentimes heard this throughout the years. Everyone grieves differently. So is it a one size fits all? What have you found through your experience, through your research, on maybe some nice healthy channels to grieve? Because yeah. it probably depends on personality type, upbringing, a variety of different things, right? Learned behaviors, etc. But like, if people are listening to this and they're like. I get you sigh, like they're taking a deep breath in, like, but I don't know how. Like, I think I'm grieving, but am I really? What advice would you give them? Hi, this is Rob Holman. I've had the joy and the honor to be a professional keynote speaker for over the last 20 years. This has resulted in me being an international, in high demand, and top dollar speaker. Now it's time to share my proven tips and strategies with you to help you get what you're worth to speak. If you're an aspiring speaker or seasoned speaker looking to get paid more to speak, please join my world-class speaker community today. 
Our new community kicks off soon, so register today as spots are limited. And for more information and to register, go to www.robholman.com forward slash GPS. So, and I do think everyone grieves differently and yet there's an undercurrent of commonality with all grief. You know, there's not really stages anymore. We don't see it really as linear. Um, I would tell you the number one way people avoid grief is they uh, stay busy. They do not give themselves alone time and silence, um, solitude. And even a lot of people are like, I'm alone. I go for a run. And it's like a lot. Well, that's really healthy and awesome. It may not be solitude because you're still kind of fighting your way through something. Um, But it could be for somebody, a great walk could be where they get everything out. You know, I know on my walks, I've on the beach, I have, um, you know, grieved tremendously over the last couple of years. But I would say to take time without motive and if nothing happens, nothing happens, but sit in a chair 10 minutes a day alone in silence mm-hmm. and alone, not with somebody right outside the door, not with somebody that could interrupt you anytime so that you can go behind the armor we all wear yeah. and just notice a lot of people write morning pages where they get up and they just freelance write. There's, we are able to touch our feelings with breath work, with meditation work, with journaling work, um, some habit or dedication that works for you. Yeah. I also, you know, that just stop and grieve when you are pushing hard and life is not um, responding well, yeah. stop, just stop and grieve, stop and, you know, take a break. And I just get, you know, I ask people how they feel and people I learned during COVID, I've gone clear back to like the basics. They don't know how they feel. They're like, I'm thinking this is screwed up. I'm like, not a feeling. Right. Feelings, you know, have two syllables. They're like mad, sad, glad, scared. If you get into like frustrated, you're getting pretty intellectual. Like, and so just helping people have a vernacular. The other thing that happens for folks when they do grieve is um they really quickly want somebody else to be responsible for it. So it's tricky at work because at work, it's like, I'm grieving, so therefore I can't perform today. It's like, no, as adults, we need to be able to um, process our own feelings, feel all of our feelings, and to evolve and and develop the skills necessary to move through the world skillfully. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing out there is just a lot of people who have completely outsourced their emotional well-being sure. and um i had somebody say i'm not going to go back to work until it's totally safe mm-hmm. I'm like, well it sounds like you're never going back to work i don't exactly. know when it's going to be totally safe and i'm like so what are some ways you could impact your own safety hmm. well so- they won't provide um you know they haven't thought about like how we're all going to use the elevator and I'm like, well, you're ambulatory. Could it be a plan for yourself to use the stairs on a regular basis? Right. And it, it's like, yeah, but I shouldn't have to go back until it's totally safe. And mm-hmm. I don't know if people understood before COVID, there was flesh eating virus. There was Ebola. Like a lot of things out there. A lot of things. It's like so many things. And so we have this pre-COVID attached the illusion that we're all safe or that we had confidence or we knew our world. No, we did not have certainty pre-COVID. We had the illusion of certainty. And I just think this is a huge opportunity for us to all get called up and evolved. 
but I'm worried not many are taking the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well said. And I'll tell you, those listening too, with size boys being far older than my three kids, I will be coming to her with words of wisdom for many years to come. And so our time sadly has come to an end. But before that, because I can listen to you all day, you know that. But what's next for you? You got to take us into, you know, you'd mentioned a book coming out. Yeah. Can you tell us some more details on that or any exciting things you have going on? Sure, sure. Over this year, we've done a lot of virtual coaching. Our business, our keynote slowed down, but we've been out helping folks. We focus a lot on the true definition of resiliency, which is heroics and 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 readiness and those types of things. So we're doing some really exciting um, work pieces. I wrote over COVID a book called Life's Messy, Live Happy. Um, life doesn't have to be perfect for you to be content. On all these topics we just talked about, lots of personal stories. It comes out end of March, beginning of April. There'll be a pre-order campaign. Um, and so, yeah, I am you know, writing, teaching, preaching, and on a mission to help people um, understand how their mind works and understand how the world works. So they stop getting played by their ego and they stop arguing with reality. And so I really think this next chapter could be the time of great mental health crisis or the time of the human race really opening up to our own human condition and um and exploring that internal world that we all have been avoiding through work you have a way about you i've never said this explicitly i'm going to say it now publicly you just have a way about you so many speakers so many people with wonderful content um there as they deliver it as they share it it's it's from the mind mind to mind you have this amazing ability because of who you are you you engage the mind you let it sink into the heart mm. and then literally sigh it's like a heart to heart conversation and the midst of that sometimes it's like you just need to do this and here's the reason why <laughs> like just do it you need to stop and you need to start doing that but other times you really deeply and empathetically you understand and you're in the trenches and navigate in and through that space and that place so i just want to say Thank you for the gift that you are to me and so many leaders and so many people all around the world. Tremendous gift. If people want to learn more about you, where should they go? What's the website? So any place at Cy Wakeman on social media. And my uh, podcast is called No Ego and um, realitybasedleadership.com is where they can find us. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to say thank you again for being with us. Our time has come to an end. but. You know what? I could talk to you about a variety of different topics, but as many people have said over time, that once you understand your core, you never stray too far from it. And you know your core and you're helping serve people relating to that core. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today, being on the show. And I look forward to the next time for sure. Thanks, Rob. You bet. You bet. Well, I also want to thank not only Cy for joining with us, but everyone that has taken time out of their busy schedules. You could be anytime, any place, but you've chosen right here, right now to be with us. So I don't take that for granted one bit. I also want to say thank you to auto conversion. I've been using auto conversion since 2017. Yes, 2017, over four years, helping me create and implement my PR and marketing strategy. So if you, if you want some help in your PR marketing strategy, digital media campaign, et cetera, please go to autoconversion.net and you'll be so happy you did just that. Official closing of the time. I love what Sai said when she said, you can embrace difficulty and you can also embrace a celebration. 
They don't have to be different. They don't have to be one world's over here and one world's two sides of the same coin. That's one of my takeaways among many others today is you can embrace both at the same time and learn how to be a present human being and a present leader. So what are we waiting for? Let's have at it. For Cy Wakeman, my name is Rob Holman, the host of Inside Out Leadership. I'm thrilled and honored you joined with us today. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. This is Audiburst Media.